So here's the deal. Here is the deal. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so dramatic. I really am dramatic. And that's just part of knowing me. And to know me is to love me. So welcome to the wonderful world of Hanala music, where spontaneously she decides, you know, I don't need to have a top uh, performing and most downloaded podcast in the Jewish world. Like, why the heck is that necessary? That's not necessary. You know what's necessary? A good DIY project. So I spent the entire Sunday in a zone, <laughs> in a mood, you could only imagine, because I was taking apart my recording studio. Now, when we made Aliyah, I was ready and willing um, and, you know, prepared to give up my lifestyle as a very popular Jewish female performer. And I used to perform all the time. I mean, throughout having babies, ups and downs, you know. But I performed a lot. America was my audience. I sing in English. I sing country-style music most of the time. I sing Nugunim with an I accent. So, you know, Israelis, it's, you know, I'm not in my element, and they know it. So I was prepared to give that up. And I wasn't even worried. I was like, there's other things that are waiting for me. Eretz Yisrael is holy, and it's a blessing to be there, and I'm going to embrace whatever opportunities come my way, infused with the oxygen of Eretz Yisrael. And it is so beautiful here. I'm looking at the window. The sky is so blue. The grass is so green. The roofs are so red. <laughs> I'm very articulate this morning. But it's just all the things that I dreamed of when I would look out my window. Plus, I got sheep. So not only did I get a mountain and a lovely block and beautiful trees and gorgeous sunsets and sunrises, but I also got sheep that come by sporadically, literally out my kitchen window. So yes, I have been very blessed here in Israel. And I have done some beautiful projects right here in the studio that I am sitting in right now recording. I recorded Bella Bracha. That was that was a trip. <laughs> it's always a trip. I even had my 99-year-old, well, she's maybe a little younger, but my elderly downstairs neighbor from Brooklyn come up to record the script, the dialogue for the grandmother in the video. My mother-in-law is the Safta, by the way, in case you were wondering. So a lot of interesting things. We had a lot of kids in this room recording Bella Bracha and singing, and I played all the music. Oh, no. Yes. For Bella Bracha, I played all the music. Correct. Yes. For Bella Bracha, I played all the music. I spent, woo, a hundred hours creating the tracks for those songs. And they were created from scratch. And I'm very proud of them. And um, I, um, I was pretty actually amazed. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you really are talented. <laughs> By the way, that's how it goes every time. Every single time I sit down to write a song, I'm like, am I going to be able to pull this off? And then I pull it off. And I'm like, dude, you are, you are Taka gifted. <laughs> anyway, back to what I'm saying. So here in this room, I had the opportunity to record and create some beautiful uh, artistic contributions in the creative sphere of the Jewish marketplace. Bar Hashem, thank God. And I am grateful for that. However, however, what's my point? My point is that how, you're like, what does this have to do with me? Well, this is what it has to do with you. The point is that when we made Aliyah, 
I took up an entire room in our lovely apartment for my studio. An entire room and an entire adjacent mirpesset, a porch. My room has a porch. It's a full-size bedroom. And I put, you know, I installed on the walls, rather my husband installed on the walls. He's the sound guy. The sound-proofing egg-shaped mats, the black ones, so that, you know, the room shouldn't be so echoey. That's really, no, the room is not soundproof. It's... It's Israel. I can hear the guy sneezing downstairs and and drilling. Everyone's always drilling here. It's a good thing. It's fine. I'm just saying. So I've been taking up this room. I got myself a beautiful rug. I put it down here, and it's been a dream. My guitars are here, all my books. I record my podcasts here. I have my interviews here. All my fan stuff, my gifts, and yes, I have gifts from fans. I even have a beer bottle with my name on it. That's from Jamie Geller. <laughs> but my, you know, this is my space, my library, and all my containers with the flyers and the posters and the um, the advertisements over the years when I sang. I've collected those and my childhood photos and just all the things that were important to me. It was my Hanala room, which is mostly off limits, especially to the dog, for sure to the dog. Um, yeah, she's trained to sit outside the door where she is now, basking in the sun. In any case... I'm taking up a full space, right? I'm taking up a room. And my teenage girls are losing it next door in a actually smaller room. So I had to live with that, knowing that I'm taking up an entire room in my apartment for my stuff. And at some point, when you're a parent, you ask yourself, well, is this worth it? Like, what am I really getting out of this in exchange for what I could be getting out of that? Now, you might be asking yourself, well, go get a bigger apartment. Well, I have a lovely big apartment and I have a beautiful view and I don't want to move. I want to live here in this apartment, in this space right now, where it's very, very comfortable for me and my kids. But but I know that my two girls need more space. So I decide because, you know, I'm emotional and everything, that it's all or nothing. I am taking everything out of the studio today. I'm disconnecting my entire studio. And I'm moving my youngest daughter into this room. I'm moving her bed and I'm moving her stuff. And when she comes home from school, she's going to be so excited. So I spend the morning dismantling my studio. And as I'm dismantling my studio, obviously it was an emotional thing. And a physical thing, by the way. Physically taxing. You got to hear this. (laughs) So we got our kids' beds that, you know, we're looking for extra storage. So the bed lifts up and you can store things underneath it, but you have to lift the bed and it has like a hinge that lifts the bed and the bed can stay up while you put stuff inside. So I I take my daughter's bed and I flip it to the side. Obviously the mattress is off and I bring it to the door and I have to get it out of the door into a very narrow hallway. And I realize that once the spring opens, it can only close when the, the bed is straight down. So I have the door sideways and the hinge opens and now the door, the bed is open between the door and I can't get it to close because it'll only close if it's sideways or down. You know what I mean? Like if it's flat. So the door is open and I'm pressing against the hinge, cursing under my breath why I decided to do this by myself, thinking to myself, I'm going to end up ripping off the whole door frame to move this bed because I can't just leave it here. <laughs> Anyways, I push against the hinge. I I managed to finagle it out of the room and bring it into what's now my my daughter's bedroom. 
and I set it up and I feel really good about it. And I have all the stuff from my studio, by the way, stacked up in the hallway. I'm like, I'll deal with that later. And I give my girls their own rooms, right? So, you know, I don't have that much time. I kind of just like plowed through the feelings, rolled up the gorgeous rug that's hanging outside that I have to clean. Um, and, and, you know, surprise, you both get your own rooms. So my kids come home from school and my 14-year-old is freaking out, excited. She literally immediately decorates the room. She hangs up her glittery cashmere scarf that, that she got in Dubai and she schlepped all her stuff in and she flipped the shelf and she hung up her color lights and she was in heaven, in heaven. My oldest daughter walks into her room and she's like, okay, cool, okay. And then she's like, well, what, what about the studio? I'm like, it's fine. I, I'm done with my podcast. She's like, what? I'm like, I'm like, it's fine. I don't need a podcast. Now, meanwhile, all my gear is like outside in the hallway stacked up. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll set up the computer somewhere else. But my daughter, who's brilliant and so sensitive and empathetic, who would have known? <laughs> she's a teenager after all. She goes, well, that doesn't make any sense. Let's switch bedrooms, she tells my young, my, her younger sister. Let's switch rooms so that way I can set up a desk in my room for mommy's computer where she can record her podcast if she wants to. Because I don't mind. Like, uh, I'm, I work on that computer. I can do schoolwork. And my daughter actually records and edits videos. She's like, we need the computer set up there. And this way you can record the podcast if you want. And then she's like, plus, I love your books. Like, why'd you leave all your books out there? Bring all your history books back. <laughs> she's she's the studious one who read Harry Potter at seven years old. So I was like, okay. She's like, yeah, let's bring all those books back. Plus, she she plays guitar really well. So she's like, you better leave your guitars in here. So, okay. So I have my Taylor guitar, which I've played a million times, and her electric guitar. And like, you know, that's my vibe. My piano is actually still in the hallway. We'll, we'll figure something out for that. The point is that my oldest daughter insisted that I have a space in her room with the panels on the wall where I could record the podcast because she was like, you should record the podcast. You Like, why would you stop doing the podcast? Like, I love it. <laughs> I was like, you do? She's like, of course. So the fact that I don't have a room now in my house that's saying you need to do something with this space because your kids are squished next door. Well, that has been incredibly freeing for me. And the fact that I could give my girls their own space where they can both be themselves. You know, I have one daughter who's very studious and one daughter who's very popular. You could only imagine. And a mess. <laughs> well, not a mess, but a, more of a free spirit. She likes to hang things all over the wall. My other one's more of a minimalist. So, so great. I've given my kids a room and I don't have this pressure of doing something with this space that has to have a certain result. Because when you use a bedroom in your house, it better be worth it. Like if it's a gym and you're not working out, you probably should close up shop. So that really lightened the... Um, I guess the, the pressure of having a podcast for me, plus I feel really good about myself that I gave my kids their own space and it looks beautiful, the rooms, and they did such a nice job setting it up. And um, on top of it, I have all of your emails and voice notes. So 
the fact that <laughs> this podcast almost disappeared, well, it seems that, Baruch Hashem, that is not the case. That is the conclusion. There will be some changes. Like, in other words, this is more of the Hanula show at the end of the day. And that means there's no guarantees. <laughs> there's no guarantees what you're going to get, who we're going to talk to on the show. However, I will, um, I will take to heart what you all emailed and voice noted me, speak piped me. And that is that I might not know exactly who I'm talking to, but everyone who I heard from is just such a quality person. You know what I mean? Everybody is just, I was like, wow. First of all, the reason I actually took down the previous episode where I basically said, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to take a little break indefinitely from this podcast was because I got so many messages. I got so many emails. I kind of knew I would, but I didn't realize how many of you would take the time to share with me that you are absolutely devastated that I'm even thinking about stopping your favorite podcast. Like how dare, dare I stop giving you something that's free? How dare I not entertain you twice a week? You were very bright with me, although you did wish me well, and and I appreciate that, and there was no judgment, just really kind words. So to each of you, you know who you are, who took the time to message me and email me and voice note me and WhatsApp me and send me DMs on, on Messenger <laughs> and leave me messages on Twitter and TikTok. I checked all the inboxes, and I got all your messages, and I heard you loud and clear. You would like me to resume showing up here at least once a week. You're willing to say that, okay, at least once a week to share with you my thoughts um, about life here in Israel as we go through this very, very intense time. And it is intense, and we're going to have our ups and downs, and I am going to be a little unstable, <laughs> but, but, but it's going to be good. It's going to be good, and that's really what I believe, so... If you will bear with me, and if you will like this podcast on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, go ahead, leave me a review. I will very much appreciate, okay? And then I will show up here to tell you all the things that I know. And this is what I know. First of all, there is a link in the show notes where you can donate to the charity fund, if you will. I don't like I don't like calling it that, actually. Where you can chip in for a helmet for the Chayalim. How about that? You can chip in for the coolest helmets you've ever seen for the Chayalim. And I, Tchanala Music, I am going to buy them in person and deliver them in person like, like I did last time. And if you don't believe me, I will put a video in the WhatsApp chat of a soldier wearing that super cool helmet that you guys helped pay for. Many of you helped pay for and we had $50,000 together with this podcast and another big Twitter account and another big Telegram account, we made $50,000 for helmets up here. So whatever you do with your charity, if you split it up, if you have some extra cash, if you're a high roller, oh, by the way, see, this is why I have a podcast. We are throwing a wedding here in Israel. And by we, I mean myself, because I have been invited to this very exclusive wedding for 10 Brides and grooms, you heard me right, on the same day. Okay, just wrap your mind around that. There will be 10 Israeli couples getting married on the same day, in the same venue, at the same reception. 
Now, why? Because 10 Israeli couples have been chosen from thousands, okay, not thousands, but from many who applied uh, for this super celebration because their own weddings were postponed or canceled because of the war. Now, you have to remember, while we did see weddings, uh, uh, you know, soldier weddings and, 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 we, I mean, people got married. Definitely people got married despite the war. But the fact is some people's weddings were postponed. Realistically, you can't really pull off a simcha when every five minutes there's a siren or your whole community was relocated to a hotel in Eilat. So they chose 10 couples, and, and, and I'll tell you who in a minute, but they are making them a massive, gorgeous, top-of-the-line, A-to-Z, soup-to-nuts, malawach-to-falafel-to-sushi wedding. The most incredible, star-studded, believe me, the, every celebrity is going to be at this wedding because they've been marrying couples off for, for the last few months and at every wedding there's a celebrity. Now, this is a mega wedding. This is the wedding of all weddings. Trust me, you're going to be hearing about this everywhere. And I have the exclusive. And what's the exclusive? The exclusive is if you've got fat cash, <laughs> you could afford it for 25,000 shekel, you can come to this wedding. And they're going to treat you like the rich American that you are. You're going to get a bottle and bad service. <laughs> I'm just kidding. By the way, if you tip the waiter, my husband does this. If you tip the waiter at a simcha in Israel, just slip them a 50 shekel. They will make sure you get all the food at the simcha first. As many hummus refills as you want. This is a fact. So if you would like to be at this wedding with me and probably... I would say, I mean, you name the celebrity, they will be at this wedding. Yes, Yishai Ribo, Sarit Haddad, the guy who sings Gamba Sha'ot, Idan Reichel, he was at one of the weddings. Anything is possible in Israel. Plus, all the soldiers you want. They're going to bring buses of soldiers to be at this wedding, this mega super wedding. And it's happening. Like, I know the people making it. So if you would like to be at this wedding, uh, you know, shoot me a email. Sings at Gmail or send a WhatsApp. And let me know if, yeah, if we will be toasting to life at the wedding of the year. It's it's going to be the wedding of the year, and, and I'm going to be here telling you I told you so. So let me know if you're interested, and I will direct you to the people who are, who are making this wedding happen, okay? I will hook you up. It's going to cost a pretty penny, but it will be worth every shekel plus. It's going to be spent here in Israel for Israeli vendors. So technically, it's even a mitzvah, if you think about it. All right. Um, speaking of soldiers, I was invited last week to, I mean, in Israel, we call them a tekes, which means like a program, um, for Chayalim. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever it is, that sounds cool. I'm used to being surrounded by Chayalim. <laughs> I'm really not, actually. I was completely out of my element. So I come to the theater, and what was happening was that the reservists who who have been up north, Pluga Hamishim, 50-30. Well, they have been released. They have been released from active duty. So in other words, they were called up as reservists. They left their wives, their families, their children, their jobs, their routines, and they went with their machine guns to defend Israel on the northern border where war is imminent. I mean, Hezbollah from Lebanon has been shooting missiles just every single day, all day. I saw a video yesterday of people driving on the highway. There are kids in the car, and there are literally missiles exploding on the highway in front of them or on the side of the highway. And and the terror, honestly, these the, the people who experience it, you say, it's like experiencing a, a terror attack to see a missile land 
100 feet in front of your car while you're driving on the highway. It's and the the sirens are wailing. It's a it's 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 war, guys. It's war. Israel is warring and I hope you are praying. <laughs> but more about that soon. So the army has let these reservists off until I think it's July. So that means they get to go home now to their wives and go back to their lives. And and I was going to say chill, but they're not chilling because their lives are waiting for them and their livelihoods are waiting for them and their kids are waiting for them and they still have to prepare and recuperate from being up north with all the missiles and the stress and the lack of sleep. And, and it's it's the army. No one's having a good time. They're there to defend Israel with their bodies as shields to protect their own children sleeping in their beds who their wives are taking care of. So, um, yeah, they don't even have time to recuperate. Instead, they just have to get psychologically prepared that in July they're going back and maybe even maybe even before, depending on what's going on and how bad things get. So you have all these guys in the theater. There must have been 500 of them. So the program starts with pizza, like tons of pizza. <laughs> and everyone's kind of sitting around and eating their pizza. And I'm just walking around with my phone like this Ashkenazi white girl who literally doesn't know the difference between a battalion or a unit or any of these things. I grew up in Florida. Like we didn't go to the army. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like I'm walking around and like half the things are just, you know, super cool. I'm still at that stage where I'm like, wow, soldiers. So cool. Plus, by the way, a lot of them are tall, but ladies, they're married. <laughs> they, these are all reservists and their wives were there. And the program was basically like a little ceremony to thank them for their service. So we go into the theater and everybody sits down, and I have no idea what to expect. This is like my first like army official ceremony. And um, a stand-up comedian comes on, and he was hilarious. We were pissing in our pants, and I was just like looking around thinking like, only in Israel can he make jokes about pee-pee. <laughs> Everybody's like on the floor. He was like, he was talking about parenting and kids and his wife and it was just, and, and I'm thinking, you know, tough crowd, us Jews, because you can't like, you know, you don't want to offend anyone about religion, but at the same time, like, that's what everything, that, that's what everything is about. Plus, it's wartime. So how is he going to pull this off? Anyway, he does a great job. We were on the floor. So that, that was a really nice start to the evening. Then they showed a really cute video of all those reunions and they had a new song and the new song, um, I'll put a link in the show notes. I actually, now I was going to translate it, but, but I didn't because it's really a song that's specifically for Israel, a new song by an Israeli artist. And he basically describes how all the reservists leave their jobs, the architect and the lawyer and the doctor, and they're, they're all fighting for Israel. And that's just the heart of who we are. Regular people doing brave things, being heroes. So um, they had this video of all the reunions of the Chayalim coming home to see their kids. I guess if you had a day off here and there. So that was very sweet. And then they had one of the mothers speak. And everybody speaks so beautifully. And, and she said, um, the truth is, I don't remember what she said, but she came on the stage holding a baby. And the child, he was like a toddler. He was like demanding the microphone. And in front of 500 people, he was like, Shalom lekulam. <laughs> everyone was like, it was such a moment. And then her very not bad looking husband comes on stage holding their infant and goes and takes the toddler from her, his wife. And like everyone's clapping. Like this is what it takes to win this war. It takes teamwork. And the fact that, you know, that they're, 
kids at home and that we're all so human and so fragile is not lost on anyone. And then like they, this moment, just it, it just struck me that we're all like, it's not like I'm here dramatizing the war. We're sitting in a theater with soldiers who just spent four months in sleeping bags up north in the cold, doing whatever soldiers do to protect their country from savages. And, and, and they're like laughing at the same jokes that I am. And they're like totally getting the situation like I am. They show pictures of Hezbollah members that they took out. And everybody's like cheering. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's like, it, it felt so real and up close and personal. That's what it felt like to be at that program. So yeah, I, I hope and pray. Like I told one of the wives that I was chatting with, I hope and pray that they can go home and stay home <laughs> and that everyone can appreciate the happiness when it comes. Like today's a good day. Today we are all safe and sound. I am okay. My kids are okay. My spouse is here with me. It's a good day. It is a good day. And we have to be grateful and uh, yeah, be there for one another. And there's a lot of people who need help. There was a soldier there who was injured and he came on stage and everybody was cheering for him. And he just shared how he was injured. And I mean, there's there's guys who, who were injured on October 7th that are still in the hospital or recuperating or dealing with the fact that they don't have a foot. I don't have the number, but it's way too high. There are a lot of people that are going to be permanently debilitated and deal with chronic issues, pain issues, and just pain and suffering for the rest of their lives for giving uh, uh, their giving up of themselves, their, their limbs for, um, Israel so that they can protect the people who live here on behalf of the Jewish people. So it, it's, it's emotional. It's really a roller coaster ride, but I appreciated going to the program. I got to say, I did skip out before the music started because I, I just, listen, I got to get home. <laughs> I took the train and I was like, I love this and everything, but I'm not a soldier and I need to go home and my service here is done. So yeah, that's how um, I spent my Sunday. And then Monday was election day. I'm telling you, every day is exciting here. I saw the mayor. I voted for the mayor, Lisa Bloch. Um, for, well, what is election day, you ask? Well, election day is, what, this, by the way, this is local elections for mayors. So Yerushalayim chose their mayor. And, and I would say who won? Truth is, I don't even know yet. Hang on, Chavre. Let's see. Do we know if anyone won? Uh, no. And the reason we don't know if anyone won is because the soldiers' votes did not come in. But apparently there is at this point a 275 vote difference between Eliza Blach and a bitball. A bitball is um, Shas, and Eliza Blach is the current mayor. And a bitball is the outgoing mayor from last time we voted five years ago. I don't know why he's running again. I don't know why he's running again. We'll talk about that in a second. But let me just describe election day, local election day here for any of you who have not experienced it. Because when I moved to Israel, I had never experienced it. Well, first first off, it means that there is going to be a van that drives around town for 72 hours playing a specific song on loop over and over and over again. A specific song that was recorded for a specific candidate, usually the Haredi ultra-Orthodox candidate, um, that is a reminder for you to vote for this particular individual. By the time elections come, you just want to vote for 
no more music <laughs> ever in public. Like the mayor that gives us no more music ever in public, you could be mayor. Uh, so that's, you know, that's annoying. And it's really, they don't care. It's like 24 hours a day. Like I was out six o'clock in the morning walking my dog. The music is playing. I was out buying groceries and lo and behold, the music is blaring outside the store. So, so that's the vibe. That's the energy. Plus there's something called Pachkavilim and Pachkavilim are the old fashioned way to let people know that you want them to read what you wrote. <laughs> you take papers and you literally litter the streets with your messaging. And the messaging here was Haredi. The city of Bechemish must remain religious. That was that that was the 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 pitch. That was the debate. That's what's on the line here. You have to understand the politics of the city to understand why yesterday, well today, this morning is is still um so fraught with tension and uh worry. Um, and that is because Beit Shemesh, Israel's, I believe it's on its way to be Israel's fourth largest city, is pretty much split in the middle, uh, according to the types of people who live here. We have the regular people who are just like live and let live, and then we have the Haredi people. And the Haredi people, well, they have very specific ideas uh, on how the country and this city in particular should run. So... All I know is that when I came, the mayor was a bitball. A bitball is Shas, Sephardi party, um, and Haredi. And he is beholden to the ultra-Orthodox community, the Hasidic community, the religious Sephardim, and they are beholden to their Rabbanim. And that's why we have big pictures of the previous chief rabbi of Israel, Harav Avadia Yosef, all over the place um, uh, endorsing a bitball. So now you're asking, like, what do you care if the mayor is religious, not religious? Well, if the mayor is going to be voted in by the ultra-Orthodox community, the mayor becomes beholden to the ultra-Orthodox community. And that is a big deal if you're not ultra-Orthodox. Because if you're not ultra-Orthodox, if you're just regular, like someone like me, let's say, I'm just a regular religious Haredi person, um, certain things become problematic. For example... Taking the bus. I mean, yes, taking the bus becomes problematic if the mayor is Haredi because it's assumed that the Haredim run the roost and when the Haredim run the roost, well, they don't want the women to sit in the front of the bus. As a matter of fact, they actually would prefer even to have separate buses. That's what my kid said. I'm just saying they kept saying, if a bit bull ends, we're going to have to have separate buses. That's, that's word on the street. Now, if you're saying that's exaggerated, it's not exaggerated because when I made Aliyah, when Abitbol was mayor and Elisa Blach was not mayor yet, they were fighting on the streets constantly. The, the, you, uh, people forget. Obviously, you know, it's insignificant when you think about what we're dealing with now. But the Haredim used to bring the violence to the streets in the name of whatever they were petitioning for, whether it would be whether it was uh, no bike lane through through their neighborhood, whether it was a marathon. OK, when when we ran our marathon. Uh, we, <laughs> I did not run the marathon, but when the marathon was run by women specifically, there was a female marathon here in Ramat Beit Shemesh and it started off in Ramat Bet where the Haredim live. They threw marbles on the road. So the women should trip. Could you imagine such a thing? And they lit trees on fire because they didn't want women running in the street. Well, it was a separate road and you didn't have to come because if you didn't come, you wouldn't have seen it. And I was there and it was fine. It was lovely. 
and, and don't get me wrong. I, I, there are many wonderful people who mind their own business and, and shop right here in the Merkaz, the Merkaz where I have been shopping and visiting for the last six years, four times a day. It's the shopping center at the top of my block. And now I walk a big dog, a big black dog with a pink tail. I think she's super cute, but a lot of people are scared of her. And I can gauge how many religious people are there simply by how people react to me and my dog. And most religious people react. So while we have here on our block dozens, dozens of dogs, there's so many dogs in Beit Shemesh, in the Haredi communities, most people don't have dogs. And many times, and more often than not, are afraid of them. Their, their, their parents are afraid, the kids are afraid, and even disgusted by them, which is fine. I have no problem if you're disgusted with my dog or if you're afraid of my dog, but don't make a law that I can't walk my dog. And that's possible. There, my daughter's Bisakov has a, a rule that the girls cannot walk or have dogs. That's just the way it is, you know? And they're entitled. If you don't like it, go to a different school. She's in a Haredi school. Uh, so I, I was having this like internal conversation yesterday all day as I'm walking through the streets and it's just like a circus here. There are flyers everywhere. There are kids outside and booths and everybody's passing out posters and, and voting paraphernalia. And, you know, the mayor's calling me every five minutes, literally like the mayor sits and calls the people and says, did you vote? Did you vote? Did you vote? So, um, I've been thinking, I was thinking about it and I was like, so let me ask you, this is how I talk to myself. Let me ask you. So you don't have a problem with a more secular mayor, but you would prefer a more Haredi government because I'm perfectly content with the Israeli government that we have right now. I am. So, so why is that Hanel? I asked myself, why is it that you think Beit Shemesh would do better off with a more, and don't get me wrong, Lisa Blach is... She's not, I mean, she's completely religious. A Shomer Shabbos, Shomer Kosher, hair-covering, religious, Zionistic, proud Israeli, Jewish, religious woman. I mean, that that's what she is. She's great. Um, so so why, why Lisa Blach for mayor and not a liberal government or not a secular government like so many Israelis would prefer? And I was kind of going back and forth and I was thinking, well, because at the end of the day, you don't want your government to oppress you and use religion as an excuse. Okay, well, that's perfectly acceptable. I, I guess that's where I draw the line. But the question becomes, well, everybody draws the line somewhere else. So for you, you might think that walking a dog through the neighborhood is perfectly appropriate because it doesn't say anywhere in halacha that it isn't. Um, but someone else might think that the atmosphere is the icker because if you have the atmosphere where people are walking dogs and it's loose and it's just, uh, you know, the, it lends itself to a certain lifestyle. Let's put it that way. Um, then you're taking down the whole spiritual level of the city. And that is extremely important when you're raising God-fearing children. And that is the be-all and end-all of everything that matters. Like that, that becomes the conversation. So I was kind of going back and forth. And I thought, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there is no true best way. And that's why we vote. And that's why we negotiate and discuss and, and debate and, and bring all our issues to the table to, to, to try to find some common ground on. We do that because that is the process. And the process is tit for tat, back and forth, working together, hand in hand, so that we can find a happy, medium, in the middle, balanced, centered, focused, not extreme path. That was very articulate. <laughs> Bikitzer, 
I'm a very middle of the road person. And I appreciate that Aliza can govern a city and respect the values of the Haredim. And she has, she has built their schools and she has given them their space to be, and she hasn't stepped on their toes. She doesn't plaster pictures of women in their neighborhoods or, or insist that there be a bike lane th- through Ramapa. She, she respects their, their, their space and, 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 and it honors their votes. Whoever votes for her or whoever continues to vote for her will benefit from the fact that the streets are cleaner. That's a big deal. And the city has grown exponentially in the last six years, accommodating everyone. So I say Lisa, uh, Lisa wins. But honestly, from what I'm seeing, there appears to be, I don't know how politics work. Apparently, we're going to have to vote again. Like there's a runoff with a third party. So, yeah, she is second place, so it's not going to be um, a bit ball. That's what it appears. Uh, and, and, yeah, and back to the voting booth we go <laughs> because that's what we do in Israel. That's literally what we do, how we spend our time, voting for people to make decisions, to protect us. Ay, 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 to be a Jew in Israel, to be a Jew in Israel. All right, let's just check quickly what's going on news-wise. There's always something. First of all, two Chayalim uh, were killed. A really serious accident. I believe it happened with uh, an explosion in a tunnel. Yes, two soldiers were killed in a booby-trapped tunnel this morning. Um, I mean, it was announced this morning. That's how it works here. You get the information about 6 o'clock in the morning. And, yeah, you spend your day planning the funeral. Um Jordan apparently delivered 160 food packages, airdropped 17 different points along the southern coastline of the Gaza Strip using American, Egyptian, Emirati, French, and Jordanian planes, which included food and medical equipment intended for the residents of the southern Gaza Strip. You see how they wrote intended? You know why intended? Because it's probably not going to get to them, and if it does get to them, it's going to get to the wrong people who will sell it or hold on to it or hold it hostage. That's what they do. These are not straight people. These are cruel people who have no sense of humanity. All they think about is jihad. So whatever. They're delivering food. Whoopie-doo. Whatever. They shouldn't be. They should be starving them until we get our hostages back. But we have our hands full. We have our hands full. This morning, uh, 40 grad rockets. I don't know what grad rockets are, but I'm assuming they're very dangerous. Uh, 40 of them. Uh, were shot from Lebanon at IDF bases near Kiryat Shmona. Uh, Ten rockets crossed the border, one of which struck a building in Kiryat Shmona. I'm looking at the picture now. Smashed the building to smithereens. No one was killed. No one was injured. What a miracle. What a miracle. This nation, I tell you, we run on miracles. We run on miracles. Yeah, we really do. All right, speaking of miracles, let's go over to my Instagram account just so we can discuss real quick some of the stuff that I posted this week on my beautiful land of Israel, where all the exciting videos from Israel are coming out of. (laughs) That's me pitching my Instagram page on my podcast. Welcome to life in 2024. All right. So I posted a couple of really nice things this week, including a 73-year-old reservist visiting his 101-year-old mother. You have to see it to believe it, but he's actually returning home to the actual house that his mother has lived in since 1956. That's shortly after Hakamat Medinat Yisrael, the uh, establishment of the state of Israel. 
and he goes home to visit his mother. And sure enough, they play Gamba Sha'ot because it's the internet. And why not? Yeah, so that was really nice. Um, other than that, Eden Chasson put on a concert here in Israel. He's a, he's a big singer. I can't sing for you guys. Just Google it. And um, he has since released the video of the opening of the concert. And it's just everything you want from an Israeli concert. It's an amazing lighting show. And I know that the team who, who does this, the, the, this is the best lighting engineers in the world working here. You have the smoke machines. You have the digital screens. You have the 17-piece band. This is everything you want from a concert. And Chayalim dancing on stage with an audience that's still recovering, still burying their dead, celebrating life, singing and and supporting the Chayalim and singing Am Yisrael Chai and Oda Chai and just, it's just, it hits the spot. And that's why so many people liked it and shared it. Um, another cute video, uh, this is from the news here in Israel where they just walk around interviewing random people. They actually have great stories here in Israel. They, they really do produce some terrific entertainment <laughs> on your nightly news shows. Um, and here you see middle-aged Israelis, I would say leaning to elderly Israelis, sitting around at a coffee shop eating Oznei Sinwar. Now here in Israel, Hamantashen, and those are the triangle cookies that Jews eat on Purim that represent the evil Haman who tried to kill the Jews in Persia many years ago. You know, he wore a triangle hat, so we eat Hamantashen on Purim. This year, however, a bakery in Israel, I think it's more than one actually, well, they are selling Ozne Sinwar. Now, if you don't know who Sinwar is, you probably haven't been paying attention, but he is the mastermind behind October 7. He is a, a Hamas terrorist who Israel had in prison, and then they traded him for Gilad Shalit, who was a hostage held by Hamas in Gaza for five years, an Israeli citizen, a soldier. Um, and he was released then as part of the deal, and he orchestrated October 7th. Anyway, he has very big ears. Just an ugly guy with big ears. And yeah, that's that's what the woman said. She said, these Ozne Sinwar are delicious and tasty, and I'm going to devour them like Israel is going to devour Sinwar. Yeah, happy perm. <laughs> so I thought that was that was cute. So maybe this year, do that for your perm theme. Uh, another great clip this week. This is from Pierce Morgan, who is talking to former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett on Brazil's President Lulu. And he asks him, he says, listen, last week, Brazil's president called out Israel, said that Israel was responsible for the genocide of the Palestinian people. <laughs> he's like, what's your response to that? So there must have been a delay. And then Naftali Bennett just looks at the camera and he's like, he's an idiot. And Pierce is like, that's it? He's like, that's it. Like, what do you want me to say? Um, if you missed that, yeah, the the prime minister of Brazil, he's an idiot. But the former prime minister of Brazil apparently loves the Jewish people because there was a huge demonstration this week with millions of Brazilian people and Israeli flags. So I don't know. I, you never know. I tell you, the this world is unpredictable. I never thought that Brazil and Argentina would be our besties. But, you know, look, here we are. It's all good. I, I always like the South American people. I'm Israel High. Whoever wants to join the party, by all means, join the party. Anyways, um, yeah, so that's your that's your recap. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Weekly Squeeze. I hope you are happy that I'm going to stick around for now, thanks to my daughter and all of you. 
And uh, yeah, stay safe wherever you are. You guys ready? We should do the outro. We should totally do the outro. I was like, we should change it up. No, no. Certain things never change. So there you have it. Episode 179 of the Weekly Squeeze. I'm Hanala Music, your talented and lovely host from the land of Israel. If you are enjoying the show, by all means, let me know. Leave me a speak pipe or make a donation. You know, I'm easy to please. Thank you for being here. And I'll see you next time.